This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Hey, quick favor at the very top of the show. So obviously there's advertisers on the show and they're interested in speaking to you. So in order for the show to keep its continual uptick of good guests and all of the other quality things that we we, as in me, try to put into it, <laughs> I need you to take a survey. Go to podsurvey.com slash words, W-O-R-D-S, and it'll take you through, you know, like maybe a two-minute survey, and you can get entered to enter a $100 gift card sweepstakes, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So basically what it does is it just asks you some information about yourself, you know, demographic stuff. That way, advertisers can be matched up to this particular show, and we're going to be able to showcase cool stuff that you will probably be into because that's what i try to do here so please go to podsurvey.com slash words if you've never done it before dive in if you've done one in the past it's totally fine it's very specific to this show so please do it again and the show and i thank you very much so now here let's dive into this fun conversation okay Hi, everybody. Welcome to 100 Woods or Less, the podcast. I am your host, ever-present, Ray Harkins, hanging out with people who are involved in independent music. And the guest this week is a very interesting one because they're influencing independent music and sharing that specific music in a very, very huge and concrete way. So Charlie Kaplan, he is one of the, I I can't remember his exact title, he works over at Symbol.fm, which for those of you who haven't listened to the show on a regular basis, have have not heard me espouse how awesome this particular service is, and I believe in it wholeheartedly. So, um, yeah, it's a very interesting conversation because, uh, you know, it, he loves music and loves a lot of aspects of how we share music, you know, digitally and all that sort of stuff. But then we also discuss a lot about, you know, Web 2.0 and startups and the culture that's involved around that. And it's um, it was a very different conversation. So if you're interested in technology, I would absolutely encourage you to keep listening. And even though you may think like, oh, wow, like why would you interview this person who uh, may not have, you know, hasn't played in a band or like done whatever, you know, these things, the, the typical guests that I have on this show. Trust me, this conversation is awesome. So. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not going to go on and on because, <laughs> frankly, I'm uh, insanely busy and I'm about to head out of town and all this other stuff. So I'm just going to dive right into the meat of this particular conversation, which is me and Charlie chopping it up. But um, yeah, hopefully your holidays have been awesome. Summer is taking you to cool places, fun adventures, whatever it is that you're supposed to be doing over summer. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, hearing from you, you know? Email me, 100wordspodcast at gmail.com. I would really enjoy that for, um, you know, guest suggestions, whatever it is that, uh, you know, that tickles your fancy because I love hearing from people who listen to the show. So anyways, here's our discussion with Charlie, which is very awesome. And thank you very much, Charlie, for coming on the show. And I will uh, talk to you after the episode is over. Okay, here we go. I think it was one of those things where, uh, you know, being a creature of the internet, you start to see certain people use certain services or, you know, whatever. You just start to see it bubble up to the surface. And I think that's where I first encountered Symbol, um, where it was just one of those things where it's like, oh, like that is a, a very simple and easy way to 
to share music <laughs> and actually not only share music, but then visually connect with the album art and like, mm-hmm. you know, it was all wrapped up into that. Um, you know, I'm guessing like at the core of it, that was like, you know, one of your first or second meetings of like, all right, here's our mission statement. Here's what we want to do. Make it easy for people to share music that isn't uh, like, you know, cumbersome or sharing the whole album or whatever. Um, I presume that's like at the core of the, uh, the, the DNA of what you guys are doing, right? It's totally true. I mean, so uh, the thing you're sort of referring to, which is sort of like the the, the sort of flashpoint for Symbol, um, was um, it traces back really far. I mean, so one of the guys who works on our team is this guy Gabe, um, and prior to uh, working on Symbol, you know, as like a high school kid, he did something that like lots and lots of high school kids do, which is you know, he had a music blog, um, and the the sort of thrust of his music blog is called Lower Frequencies. Um, was just to, you know, pick one song and write about why that one song was great. So, you know, it's a simple uh, concept and, um, you know, he stuck with it for a really long time. Um, but uh, it was, you know, um, as an entry point uh, to, uh, to, to symbol the totally, you know, uh, like the grandfather here. Um, he, uh, so he, you know, he spent a number of years writing this blog where, um, you know, he would just pick one new song that maybe you didn't know about, or maybe he just thought was amazing and write about that one song. And the upside of it was, it was an amazing way, um, for him to sort of express himself. And then, you know, a friend of his would text him and be like, I saw that song. It was great. Um, but the downside of it is that, uh, you know, it's lonely, you know, it's one-sided. It's, you know, I, he gets to share all his favorite songs, but, you know, none, none of his friends who he's ostensibly writing for uh, are able to share theirs. Um, so that's sort of like a, the, the lead-in point for Symbol. And I really feel like part of, part of why that's a cool idea and part of why um, it ultimately, you know, worked in getting Symbol off the ground is because it's something that so many people do, you know, I mean, it's, you go on on your Facebook feed and you'll see people, uh, you know, posting a YouTube video of a song or, um, you know, I, I write a, a music newsletter, you know, sort of a similar idea or Gabe and I, you know, when, uh, when he was in college, um, and I was sort of fresh out of college, we had like a collaborative playlist where whenever we would stumble across a song that we thought was great, we just drop it in this collaborative playlist. You know, they're all variations kind of on the same idea, which I think is a really important idea in music, which is, you know, the value of a piece of music ultimately derives from a relationship. And that relationship might be your relationship to the song. And it might be how you relate to someone else through the song or how you have sort of observed other people relating to a song. It's sort of like a tree falls in the forest and no one's around to hear it. Does not make a sound type thing? I mean, if, if there isn't some, uh, social element to, to music, um, you sharing it, someone sharing it with you, uh, then it, it sort of, uh, you know, it, it can't have any intrinsic value. Um, so, uh, that's kind of where symbol started out, you know, is, is, is this idea of, um, is there a way to design a little universe where the only thing that matters about you is, uh, the music you love? Sure. That's the idea. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it totally makes sense. Cause I mean, you know, people that listen to music for a prolonged period of time, 
all it is is a matter of how easily you're able to share that you know and it's like when mm. you were younger and there was uh, you know cassette tapes it's like you know a mixtape was the the ultimate delivery mechanism for telling either a significant other how you feel <laughs> or oh my god or just showing people like oh yeah like this is you know this is some good music or like you know the further evolution of that of like compilation cds put together by record labels it's like all of it is the same notion where it's just like hey you're just trying to expose people to you know good music some of the times it's for business purposes and other times it's just for like oh yeah i want to show you this but yeah and now like you know we're the age that we live in there needs to be a, a easy way for people to uh share music that is less uh you know agnostic or that's more agnostic to um, a platform rather than just like this, this particular one thing. Yeah, no, you're totally right. I mean, I have a friend in high school named Rob who used to say that the, uh, the playlist uh, is the macaroni necklace of relationship gifts in the sense that it's uh, it's handmade. It's incredibly heartfelt, you know, it can be a little rough around the edges sometimes, but there's just so much love in it. And it's like totally a reflection of, of you, you know, you, you, you put that thing together and it's just adorable. And I think that it's, it's, you know, that's really, especially by the way, in the era of, uh, of streaming music, it's a, it's an, it's an utterly essential problem to have. I mean, if you think about it, you know, this is we're, we are now living in the first year in the history of the music industry where, you know, the dominant way that, that folks are making money from music is, is, is from streaming music, you know, and, and it's only going to become more pr- pronounced in that way. The fact that you pay $10 and in exchange for a month, you get the entire history of recorded music is, I mean, it's, it's a miracle. It's, it's unbelievable that we live in a time where that is technically possible, but it is also utterly inavigable. You know, it's impossible to, um, to find the, the, the stuff that, you know, you don't know that you love yet. Um, unless you have some kind of guide, you know, unless you have something like Discover Weekly, you know, that is uh, built specifically to try to figure out your preferences and then get you new music you don't know. Um, or like Pandora, which is, you know, like create an endless experience of listening that is uh, personalized around the sort of mood you're in or um, uh, what you've told it, you know, the type of artist you want to listen to. Or if I can introduce Symbol into that scenario, um, you know, through the lens of the people who matter to you or through the lens of the communities who really, really know a certain style of music or through the lens of um, what music is trending and becoming popular in the world. I mean, it's, it's those markers uh, that allow, um, you know, any given listener to, to tell, okay, this piece of music matters and I should check it out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it, to, to your point in regards to the, um, you know, the human to human connection, because no matter what, the only way that things are important to other people, you know, no matter what algorithm gets placed into it or the scientific breakdown of music that is like, okay, you like music that's in seven, eight time and like, you know, really class, <laughs> like, hyper classifying it. There are some times where it's like, you know, total music nerds like you and I would look, look at things that get recommended to us that were like, dude, no way. There's no way I like that dog shit band. Like, you know, because you're just like, oh, you're putting it in this bucket of like, these are the qualities of music that you like. And you're like, no, but I don't like that because of reasons, you know, A, B, and C, either the, like, oh, I meant- Right, yeah, right. I don't, I don't like that for reasons that are totally impossible to codify into an algorithm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%, 100%. Totally. And that's that's why it's like, I, you know, I'm passionate about what you guys do because it, it is 
one of those things where it's like no matter what gets spit out at you via a million different sources, you um, you will have to reckon with the idea that uh, at the end of the day, you need people to guide you like you know whether it's you're 14 years old and you're walking into an independent record store for the first time and you know the 25 year old clerk like gives you a bell and sebastian record and it's like hey here check this out you're like oh my god what is this um you still you always need that like i feel so passionate about that whereas a lot of other people you know might have uh you know try to poke holes in that argument and i just like "Ah, that doesn't fly for me (laughs) no you're 100 percent right i mean i always think back at this uh this scene in Almost Famous where, um, uh, you know, Zoe de Chanel takes her little brother, like she's about to leave to become a flight attendant, uh, run away from home. And she, before she leaves, she brings her little brother up to her bedroom and under her bed is just a box full of albums, you know, and it's pet sounds and it's like Led Zeppelin two and stuff like that. And it becomes the foundation, you know, for, for his taste and the way he understands music in the world. I just feel like that is a, that's a totally guiding experience. And so many, so many people's musical lives, you know, is, uh, who showed you this music, who, who got you into this, um, or on the flip side of that, you know, which is like you showed someone else a piece of music and now you can't listen to that without thinking about being on this vacation that you went on or being at a party you went to, or, you know, I don't know, being on the beach and just listening to your headphones, you know, Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's, uh, it's, you know, what are the sort of contextualizing and, and sort of mediating experiences that define music for you? Because they're everywhere. Oh, absolutely. Um, and so kind of on that point, you, uh, you know, you, you shared a little bit of your own musical journey, uh, with me in regards to, you know, just your, your, your entry points to music. And what kind of struck me about that was the fact that, you know, Typically, when your parents are into a certain style of music, like, you know, you listen to it because, you know, it's either on in the car or on in the home or whatever, and you don't really, you know, put too much thought into it besides like, oh, it's okay, or it's like, you know, whatever, it's boring or not offensive, whatever. Right. But, you know, it sounds like your parents, like, had a very distinct taste and were fans of music and, you know, were able to kind of introduce you to a wide range of things from, like, funk to hip-hop. Um, right. But, you know usually like i said you don't have that strong of reaction to your parents music you might somewhat identify with it but then you do get to a point where you're just like oh man the stuff my parents like sucks like (laughs) and i'm sure you went through a little of that but it sounds like it was more on the opposite end where you were like oh i appreciated all that they showed me right yeah no it's true i mean i I, I had like a like a totally rich experience with the music that they were putting me on to like um uh you know my 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 dad was um like an you know uh, he he was encyclopedic about um uh sort of the american songbook you know like basically his interest and understanding of music essentially stopped at like 1962 <laughs> but everything before that he was super you know super into um, he, uh, you know, a huge musical person and that had a big influence, like definitely on my sister, you know, who ended up becoming a singer and an actress. Um, but he, uh, you know, I have really strong memories of like, you know, listening to Rogers and Hammerstein, you know, or George Gershwin as like a kid and some of it, you know, sounded, uh, ridiculous, you know, and, um, showy and, and silly. And some of it was just so utterly evident to me as like brilliant confessional, um, like heartfelt songwriting 
that sticks with me until now. I mean, a little bit later on in my, in my life when I uh, started getting into jazz, you know, that sort of background that my dad uh, provided for me in, um, in sort of the American songbook was like a skeleton key. You know, like if, if you listen to, um, you know, Miles Davis play, if I, if I were a bell or um, even better, Surrey with a fringe on top, you know, and you know that this is coming from, you know, an unbelievable musical from 20 years before. And, and now you understand that there's, again, there is this, there's this sort of conversation that's occurring between, uh, you know, a musician here and a musician there, uh, and the music is evolving and changing. It's the richness of your experience of listening to it is, is deeper and it's uh, more colorful. You know, my mom was sort of, um, uh, she, you know, she, she couldn't really deal, can't really deal with the, the schmaltziness of some of that music, but she had this whole different, uh, perspective, you know I mean? She, you know, you know, loved the band and, and, uh, the Beatles and, you know, uh, Dylan and, you know, she kind of has, has always kept it like pretty current, you know I mean? Like, uh, yeah, I mentioned this to you earlier, but you know, she, I, the first time I like ever really listened to like rap in my life was through her. She had, you know, the, the Slim Shady LP and Dr. Dre's 2001 on cassette, like in our Toyota Camry as a kid. And she just like, you know, she was super into the roots and, you know, she just has incredible taste and is really modern in the way that she, she thinks about music. Um, so I, I ended up with this, uh, you know, uh, stitched together, but you know, pretty complete, uh, quilt of musical experience growing up that, uh, I don't know, I could, I, you know, I could see some of it was a little dumb and I could see most of it was incredible and, 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 and transformative. And, um, it really, I don't know. I, I just, I really listened for it. It, it really, it, it became, uh, you know, from before, even that I knew that I, I, I really love music. It was a huge part of my life. Yeah, no, that's really cool. I like I like that because it does, like I said, it does kind of go contrary to the belief like of you know what what your parents listen to is you know old and lame and like all all the other stereotypes. But you know, I mean, there you know clearly there are examples where that that is not the case, and obviously that wasn't for you. Um, and so, but it's interesting you say that because you know I feel like I wonder if you ever feel this way. Like I've I've I've, I've struggled with that in some ways because. You know, one of the one of the side effects, I think, of um, of being kind of a, like a accepting of music from different eras is that everybody really wants to advocate the, uh, for their own moment in music. If you know what I mean, like people who grew up loving like the Beatles, you know, they they kind of can't help but make the argument that like the Beatles were the beginning and the end of music, you know. And uh, that music since then hasn't been as good, you know, and there's this other group of folks who grew up, you know, like loving uh, Prince, you know, or grew up loving like the replacements. Um, And, uh, you know, they see the music that they fell in love with as being, um, you know, sort of like a a, a new movement or rebellion against that stuff. And and, uh, that's their their thing. And the weird thing in my experience in music is like I I find that I I can look at you know, the American songbook, or I can look at like British invasion music, or I can look at at punk rock or, or hip hop and like see each of these things is they're all really, really good, but I don't necessarily want to choose that. I, that I love one more than I love the other. And maybe that's like a little bit waffling or something, but, um, I, I just sort of feel like, um, so much richness. I've gotten so much richness in my life, um, from, 
trying to be open-minded about different types of music and trying to see that like, it's all, it's all good. It's all, it's all the product of people sort of exploring their emotional experiences in a way that's, that's resonating with the listener. Um, and they don't need to be mutually exclusive to one another. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, I definitely agree. I mean, I, I think a lot of people, I mean, considering your background of, you know, you being interested in like music journalism and working at, you know, NPR, like I think everybody does need to have that experience of discovering older music on your own, you know, like that. And when yeah. I say on your own, I mean, you know, by people who you trust, you know, as opposed to, you know, if you're listening to, you know, whatever the Rolling Stones or Bob Dylan via your parents' lens, it's not your lens. So all you're looking at it as just like, oh, again, like, you know, using stereotypes of, you know, it's old music that just doesn't, you know, doesn't resonate with you because it wasn't, you know, released in the past 15 years or whatever. Right. But uh, no, you're exactly right about that, actually. I mean, there is there's, a, there's an incredible value to like coming across music that you love because you love it, not because somebody foisted it upon you or you were just in the backseat of your parents car and it was on like for me i think probably that was in some part in some part it was it it was a you know fair amount of hip-hop but even that was a little bit mediated through my mom but the the big artist i think who i was like oh my gosh this is like my person was uh d'angelo i got like unbelievably into d'angelo um starting like my junior really the end of my junior year in high school and nobody in my family had even ever heard of this guy. But I, I listened to that album Voodoo and I was like, oh, my God, this is me. This is like really me. <laughs> like, I, I don't think anybody else would understand this. Um, and it turned out actually my mom loved that music. But I don't know. I took such personal ownership over it. It's always felt like such like a, a different part of my my musical life than, um, I don't know, say, like, uh, you know, Springsteen or something. Yeah, no, that's, that's a yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. I mean, I, I I worked at a independent record store here in Southern California, and that was you know s- such a game changer for me, just because I had you know people who were you know ten to fifteen years older than me, uh, you know, calling totally bullshit on some of the stuff that I was you know whatever. Like this, this was like late nineties, early two thousands, and like you know, Dashboard Confessional comes out with you right. know, Swiss Army Romance, and it was like I was listening to it in the store, and then I just remember that my coworker was like, "Dude, what is this bullshit?" Bullshit. Like he's like he's like if you listened if you listened to Nick Drake before and I was like oh no I don't know what you're talking about and then he plays that record plays you know Pink and you're like fuck and I was like oh so this is what like sorrow really sounds like but you know, to, ha- to have those moments where people um, can kind of like shine a light on you know maybe some deficiencies that you have in regards to where you know because everybody's just building on the shoulder of shoulders of giants and so. You're gonna, you you have to have that tap, tapestry kind of like you were mentioning where it's like woven for you where you're like okay this is connected this way and vice versa and like I mean I love your example of D'Angelo because that's totally something that you know people can be dropped off at different points in their life and listen to that that rec, you know those records and be like oh this doesn't impact me but then three years later you revisit the record and you're just like oh I didn't get it then I wasn't ready for it like I, right. I'm right. now I am. <laughs> Right. A hundred percent. No. And and listen, that's, that's another whole element of this, by the way, which is, you know, listening to, to music at stages in your own personal and and intellectual development. Like, you know, there's some times in your life where an album is going to make sense to you. And there are other times in your life where the album is just, you know, it'll go right over your head and like hitting it at the right time is so magical. Like I'll give you an example of this in my life, which is 
uh, you know, especially right after college, I got like really into uh, talk talk, like late talk talk, like laughing stock, and um, um, you know, I, I, I you know, it's still one of my favorite albums. And I was trying to find other music like that, and someone recommended this band, The Blue Nile, to me, especially this album, Hats. And um, I went and I listened to it, and I was like, I have no, I don't get it. Like, I don't. It seems like a little like boring to me, or like a little maudlin. Um, and then, uh, maybe a year ago, uh, a friend of mine who, you know, he's a couple years older than me and he's a, he's an amazing musician, a really good writer. And he was like, you have to check this album out again. And I checked it out again. And like, just something was different. I don't know. I, I could hear it. I, 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 and now it's like one of my favorite records. I mean, I, I listen to it all the time, but no, it's totally true. It's like, you know, how you arrive at an album is so important. Yeah, totally. And it's funny too, because I, in some, in certain respects, I wish there really was like a, uh, you know, a playbook of like, okay, you can't listen to this before you're 18 or you can't and yeah. like, just based on the fact that like, you're probably not able to wrap your head around it, you know, like just because sure. either it's so, you know, dense or there's a lot of things going, whatever. But I, I really do wish there was some, uh, yeah, there's some guideline where it's like, all right, you can't listen to this before you're this age because you just won't appreciate it. won't like it or whatever. And I know that sounds, right. I know that sounds like so incredibly music elite, but like, <laughs> <laughs> no, but listen, you want to give a fair crack. You know what I mean? Like you want to give someone a, a, a great opportunity to actually enjoy you know what they're listening to if you try to play somebody like captain beefheart when they're 11 they might be like i don't really know man like <laughs> totally. what is this like <laughs> yeah exactly um, and so so as you started to you know develop your own identity and you know go to high school and college and everything like that as far as uh you know your music tastes are concerned um did you ever have the notion that you wanted to you know play in a band or or you know uh, you know, it sounds like you create music on your own, but you know, have you ever played in a band and like you know, gone on tour and shows from that perspective, or has it always been kind of a uh, you know, sort of in the bedroom or in the garage endeavor? No, I, de- I definitely you know, it was it, it it happened pretty early on. It happened in part, you know, and I'm glad that we've we've established as, as a theme in the conversation. It happened through my older sister, really. You know, like she she has great music taste, uh, but sort of, sort of more importantly. Um, you know, she was an older sister, so she was like this cool and she knew that stuff before me. And she, um, she had these friends in high school. She had a a group of friends who were all like great musicians, like, you know, and as like a 13, 14 year old, you know, I would, I would look at these kids and be like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. Like these are, these are like, they're doing magic essentially playing, playing this music. Um, so there was a friend of hers who was a bass player and I don't know what it was, but like, it's partly because I didn't know of many bass players. So I thought if I, if I, if I, it was kind of different and if I picked it up, it might be kind of cool. And it's also partly just like, Oh my God, that thing sounds so different. and so interesting, uh, that like I, I, I picked the bass up and, um, I don't know if you've had this experience, but like, you know, it's, 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 it's not so hard to find guitar players and it's not so hard to find drummers, but like, nobody's really like down to like really commit to the bass. And I was like, okay, I'm a bass player. So as a result, both in high school and in college, like, you know, I could play with a lot of different bands, you know, I, I, people needed someone to sort of step in and, and, uh, and play. And so, um, I had the opportunity from the time I was a kid at summer camp, through high school and then later on at college and, and after to play like in a lot of different groups who were trying to play different kinds of music. 
um, that was sort of my, my entry into being a musician. And then, um, you know, uh, after college, I decided I wanted to write songs and I, I started playing the guitar also. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I as for like the performing stuff, I, I you know, I, I, it, it's one of the most fun things in the world to do. It's so cool. I love it. I, I, I you know, I'm, uh, I'm in a band now that, that plays out. So it's, it's a big part of my life. Hi, I'm Mike Mowry, president of Outer Loop Management. My team and I have been helping our musicians release their albums and EPs to get the biggest first week sales possible. And our strategies work. We consistently get first week debuts on the Billboard charts, leading to greater opportunities for my clients. Great tours, great media coverage, and great industry attention. For the first time ever, I'm going to show you how I do it. Go to OuterLoopCoaching.com to learn more and register now for Release It Right, my online webinar on July 22nd, or Unleash It Right on July 22nd as well as July 29th. Put in the code 100WordsPod5, all caps and all one word, and I will give you $5 off the price of either webinar and I will give another $5 to this podcast. So you'll be supporting this show while supporting your own career. Again, go to OuterLoopCoaching.com and use the code 100WordsPod5. That's the number 100 followed by WordsPod5. This will get you $5 off either Release It Right on July 22nd or Unleash It Right on July 22nd and 29th. Peace. Because, yeah, I, de- I definitely think there's something that, you know, really c- keeps you pot committed to music when you do have that experience of, you know, playing it live and seeing how people react to something that you have done, you know, sweating it out in a room with people and being like, oh, so like, this is what music can mean to other people just as much as it means to me. And just ha- like that sort of full circle experience that you can have when you do create your own stuff. Oh, totally. Yeah. Like, I, I remember being like a you know, in high school at, at like a battle of the bands. Uh, and, um, the bands that would win the battle of the bands were effectively the bands that could make the audience have the most fun. And being in the room full of people where a band is like really succeeding and getting everybody and not only everybody, but like everybody like who, who knows one another, you know, to all like dance or sing along or have a good time. Like, that is the, that's like the highest achievement <laughs> you could possibly have like among a group of friends. It's the sense of, 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 of unity and, um, to sort of like, uh, feeling carefree. Uh, it's a really beautiful thing. I, 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 and, and right, you know, the communication between musicians and just your, your personal experience of like, Oh, I'm in this thing, you know, I'm playing with these guys. Like it's, it's amazing. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. And so what was your path as far as a, uh, I guess, a career was concerned? I mean, I know that you've worked at, like I mentioned before, you worked at NPR and you worked with, um, you know, the Webby Awards. Um, were you, you know, were you, I guess, kind of focused on trying to do something that was, you know, connected to music or where was your, uh, where was your head at? That's a really good question because I feel like in my mind, I, I, I feel like writing a song and writing, um, you know, creating a piece of writing, uh, and, uh, like starting a company and in my head, they're kind of all the same thing in the sense that, um, you know, the thing that I really love to to do is, is to make stuff. And I'm sure you got to feel the same way, you know, building a podcast is like, you know, it, it begins ultimately with, 
um, like a, you know, a, a, a point of inspiration where you realize, oh man, I could really do this, you know, and it could be about this and it, it's reflecting on me. And, um, you know, if it succeeds, that means that I'm finding this hidden point of resonance between me and other people. You know, people are, are in fact, you know, uh, turned on by the same thing that's turning me on, even though it's like, you know, I mean, you can't see that on their faces, you know, but it's, it's in them. And then, you know, your hunch is sort of correct. So, um, you know, when I was, um, in, uh, you know, in, in, in high school, you know, I started playing music. I was like, this feels amazing. Making stuff feels amazing. Uh, right after I graduated college, I, I got the opportunity just to, to go, uh, work for NPR and, and, and write about music, which, you know, I, I loved writing in college, but this, something happened at the same time too, which is I, 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 I started to realize you know, uh, what, what I just said about starting a company, which is that, you know, getting an, an, an idea about, you know, how a product could be built or how someone could, could use an app or, uh, how an interface should feel or, um, what the, uh, incentives and relationships between actions and a network are like, I was like, Oh my God, like this is, this is just like writing a song, you know, it's just like fitting a melody on top of a set of chords or trying to, um, you know, think of what, how lyrical content reflects, uh, the emotional content of a melody. Uh, to me, it's, they, they all come from the same, uh, like just really fun, uh, starting point of having some inspiration about what could be. And then, you know, trying it out, seeing if it's, if it's real. So, um, I, at the same time as I was working on NPR, I, in, in my personal life, you know, was working really hard to try to start companies. You know, I was like trying to put together little, little engineering teams and launch products. And I kept failing and failing. And, um, you know, I tried to launch a restaurant app and I couldn't even get it off the ground. I tried to launch a sort of like a review module, you know, for, uh, e-commerce businesses, couldn't even get it off the ground. And then it wasn't until, um, symbol, uh, that I had the opportunity to join a team, um, that, uh, really allowed me to like get this thing going, you know, and, 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 and start to build and, and, uh, and, and, and really create something. Um, I, uh, you know, I went to go work for the Webby Awards, you know, that was my, my, uh, my first, um, my first sort of foray into, uh, a job in technology, in large part because I just had to be close to the fire. You know, I, I had to be, I had to be closer to this big group of people who were, uh, you know, making, uh, sort of interesting things and, and, and find some way to, 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 to get in there. Really not very much different, I think from, you know, like attending the battle of the bands or something like that. You know, it's, it all strikes me as, uh, um, a lot of people trying their absolute hardest to, um, make something original and, and creative that can get a larger group of people to, uh, you know, to have a good time, you know, and, 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 and again, to find these points of resonance and commonality, uh, between people, maybe you don't even know, but it turns out they, they like what, what you like and, and the way that you chose to make what you make, um, you know, uh, makes sense to them. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I like that correlation. I mean, I, you know, the, uh, this actually dovetails into a question I was going to ask a little bit later because, you know, 
clearly symbol is an app and you know there you guys are looking for growth and more people to pay attention to your product and you know that definitely uh aligns with a lot of the you know the more negative aspect i mean not saying that you guys have this mentality but you know a lot of people that view you know silicon valley and you know web 2.0 and all that sort of stuff where it's like all right you you know you need massive growth otherwise you know your your venture capitalists are you know not going to be interested and your funding is going to be cut off and no one's going to care about it and um you know i mean it's out to to me you know you're not only is the product different from uh you know what a lot of that negative connotations exist in um but you know how how have you guys been able to sort of navigate you know the fact that you do need to grow and you do need people to pay attention to what you're doing but then also be able to do it in a way that doesn't feel like you know you're just you're you're scuzzy and you're just trying to (laughs) to create create oh yeah we got a huge user base we can't wait to sell this off like not saying that that isn't the ultimate intention but uh there's definitely a way uh there's there's definitely two ways of going about it yeah no you're exactly right i mean you you know it's it's easy to fall into what feels like kind of a cynical mentality about like what the point of all this even is um which is you know to say okay like you know we're in it for um uh to hit the lowest common denominator you know and and uh you know that that's that's a that's a i think a poisonous way to approach your own work the 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 thing to to think about if you are building a company is to say especially if you're building a social network right um is to say there is some essential way uh that people communicate um with one another that um you know we we could we could help like reach out, you know, the whole world maybe. So, uh, if you look at, you know, I think a real good example of this is, is Twitter, which is, um, you know, uh, Twitter started out as like a text only service. You know, you would, you would text a specific number and then you would be able to see a feed of, um, of tweets that existed, which is insane to think now given what Twitter's turned into. But, uh, that core idea, which is that you know, people are communicating to one another via text messages. Okay, let's make it possible for you to see the text messages of everybody you think is cool. Um, that's like, it sort of knocked a door down, knocked a wall down that people didn't even realize were there. Instagram is another good example, right? I mean, Instagram, you know, there, there were a plethora of um ways to share photos on the internet prior to Instagram There's Flickr. And, you know, you can make a strong argument that, you know, Facebook itself was really nothing other than a photo sharing service, uh, with some features tacked onto it at first. But, you know, Instagram recognized, uh, the, the, the means by which a, a photo is, is a way to communicate with someone else. And they built a whole platform that was just expressly about, um, you know, communicating to one another or seeing the world of communication just moderated through photos. And so, I mean, the stuff we were talking about earlier on the conversation about the sort of, um, inherence of, um, of us, of social, of social value, uh, to songs, the idea that like, um, you know, uh, your contact with a piece of music or the contact that someone who matters to you has had with a piece of music that you're aware of is so defining of, uh, how much you, you, you care about that music. Um, you know, that, that's, that's the, the foundation of, of what, of what we do and, and, and why we think, and so, so sort of the, 
the philosophy behind what our growth strategies are, you know, so sort of a, a long way of saying that, um, as long as you really believe, uh, that the thing that you're working on, the thing you're building actually is a real way that people who care about songs or who care about photos or who care about little videos or any, anything that a social network is built on it. As long as you believe that that's a real legitimate way that people want to express themselves and your only goal is to be very true to those people, you know, and, and, and help make that experience as fun and rewarding and simple and straightforward as you possibly can. Um, so symbol is an interesting example of this, right? Because, Music, even though it's part of virtually everybody's lives, is like a heavily individualized thing. Like, you know, people, like if you're like a metalhead, you know, or you're like really into hip hop, you don't just like like how that music sounds. Like it's, it's who you are. You kind of identify with that music. If someone talks to you about like, oh, tell me a little bit about yourself, you know, you won't, you, you know, you'll include the music you love. Um, as part of that narrative, M- music is highly individualized and people really don't like to be miscategorized. <laughs> you know, someone who, um, you know, loves hip hop takes great pride in the fact that they, you know, they don't need to be told about Illmatic or Ready to Die or 36 Chambers. Like it's, 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 it's part of who they are, uh, and part of how they, they, they define themselves, uh, that that is inherent to, to them. So, um, you know, one of the challenges with symbol is the, the sort of definition for uh, being applicable to every listener for us means building a system that can be like highly heterogeneous, you know, a system where we can both accommodate someone who loves, you know, K-pop and also someone who's really, really into like mumble rap. You know, th- there has to be distinct ways to enjoy virtually any kind of music in here because if people feel misconstrued then they won't be able to identify with the service itself um so you know symbol right now has this amazing vibrant community you know i mean it's got these people you know who show up to the app you know every day multiple times a day and they share their favorite songs super diligently and they socialize with one another and you know they comment on these top songs and they do just amazing stuff um but uh you know, the thing that we haven't, you know, done yet, which is the leap that every social network that succeeds needs to make is, you know, how do you become sort of like mainstream? How do you become an essential part of, uh, everybody who loves music's lives? Or for that matter, how do you become a part? How do you make music be a part of, uh, of, um, you know, everybody's, everybody on social networks lives. So that's sort of like the, the next step for us, you know, is to, say, okay, having already built, you know, what we see as the best community in music. Now, how do we make this part of, uh, you know, the sort of the real everyday lives of everybody, uh, everybody out there. Um, and it's so challenging. It, 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 it is a gulf that, you know, virtually no company succeeds in bridging. Um, but you know, it's, 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 uh, it's our mission, you know, f- f- figuring out how to, uh, you know, you, you alluded very early on in this conversation to what sort of the mission statement of music is. Um, and, you know, the truth of the matter is, you know, that symbol, it, its mission statement is that symbol is a relationships company. And what that means to us is number one, 
that there should be no barriers to sharing music with the people who matter to you. And then number two, there should be no barriers to connecting with people that you don't even know who love the same stuff that you do. I mean, music should be um, the uh, connecting medium for uh, people who already know each other and for people who don't know each other because it's got that magic quality to, uh, you know, bring people together in a way that almost nothing else can. Support for today's show comes from Audible. So just drop everything what you're doing and go get a free audiobook immediately. Go to audible.com slash 100 words. The reason that I encourage you to do that is that they include so much content from audiobooks to original audio shows, news, comedy, and more from like all of your leading, your favorite leading publishers, broadcasters, entertainers, and business information providers. It's rad because you don't just like a streaming service, like you actually get to keep this stuff and you can listen to almost any device from like an iPhone to an iPad, Android, Amazon Fire tablets or Windows phone, so much stuff. And they have the great listen guarantee. So if you don't like your title, they'll swap it out. No big deal. Like you can be halfway through and be like, you know what? I don't like this. And they'll be like, here, how about you try this one instead? One of my favorite books of all time, World War Z, a unbelievable reading of the book done by people like Alan Alda and Henry Rollins. I highly encourage you to use your free trial to get that book. So like I said, go to audible.com slash hundred words and your life will be that much better. Trust me. I've been an audible subscriber for many, many years and I love what they do and they care about audio. They care about providing you with good entertainment. So please do it up audible.com slash hundred words and you will get a free audio book with your 30 day trial. So there we go. And now on with the show. And plus, it's like the anytime you're incorporating uh, something, you know, a business endeavor with music. Um, yes, there are ways to uh, you know make that thing you know lucrative or profitable or whatever. But at the core of it, you know, there there is a, there are very few um, people that you know reach the same stratospheres as you know many of the uh, you know silicon whatever you know Bill Gates like all that sort of stuff. It's like yes, right. there are people that are you know music moguls and are making millions and millions of dollars, but um, you know there's far more people in the technology industry um, that are of that uh, ilk than people that are in the same ilk that are you know in the music industry as a whole. So connecting yourselves to that definitely um, you know keeps. I imagine it easier to be rooted in the idea that, Hey, this can be a, you know, viable business option and be able to sustain the community that you're having rather than, you know, completely blow it out and have, have no one care about what your service is because of, you know, how quickly you've tried to grow or whatever. You're totally right. And I think that, you know, the fact of the matter is, is, you know, I, I, you know, we're kind of already having this, um, something we're, we're really excited about, which is I, we're having, I, I think, a, a, a measurable impact on, um, you know, on sort of helping out some of the folks who really matter in this equation, which is, which is you know, the artists. Um, so I'll tell you about a, a couple of things that Symbol does that nobody knows about because we kind of designed it for nobody to know about it. But I, I, I think each one of these things has like a pretty exciting effect on, um, on, uh, on the, the, the world of artists and music. Um, so the first thing is, is that if you are, if you are on symbol, 
with a premium account. So if you're on symbol with Spotify premium or, you know, a paid account for Apple music, then all of your plays on symbol are monetized for the artist, meaning that Apple is going to pay an artist for the play that originates on symbol. But there's a second element to this too, which again, nobody notices on symbol, but it's one of the things we're kind of most proud of is we wrote this matching algorithm. And what this matching algorithm did or rather does is it, it matched every individual song on Spotify with every individual song on Apple Music. So if you sign up for Symbol and you've got Spotify and you hit play on your feed and you start listening through your feed, what you'll notice is you'll never run into an Apple Music song, despite the fact that um, you know many of the people you follow or many of the people in the top charts uh, shared those songs from Apple Music. And the reason for that is because every time you run into a song that would otherwise uh, play from Apple Music, Symbol very quickly goes, finds that song on Spotify, and because you're a Spotify subscriber, plays that song from Spotify. So this is like, you know, we, what we've done there essentially is increase the likelihood that any given play on our platform you know, results in an artist getting paid uh, for that play. Uh, and then the third thing that, that that's going on that, but again, I, I just think is is really good is Symbol. You know, when folks sign up for Symbol, if they choose to link uh, like a Spotify free account, for example, um, we can watch over the course of their lifetime on the app how long. And if they then move from like the free tier of Spotify to the paid tier of Spotify, and that's really like that's an initiative of Spotify's. It's really huge. They have like a hundred million, I believe, uh, total users, and fifty million of those users are um, are are paid. And I heard some stat that was like, you know, over a month or so, maybe like two or three percent of uh, free users buy the premium. But on Symbol, that number is like six to nine percent. So we're like turning these uh, these free plays, um, you know, that that aren't really paying off for folks on third party uh, services into paid experiences. We think at a really good rate, and that's something we're like really happy with. I mean, the idea that we could be helping uh, transition more and more of the the world of streaming to something that number one is like you know a, a fun and uh, rich experience for listeners. And number two is improving and improving the business model for, um, for artists is, is, I think, important work, especially in this highly transitional, highly volatile moment in the history of the music business. Yeah, totally. Well, I mean, that, that's like, I mean, what, what you described right there is like, like you said, you know, no one from a front facing perspective is going to be able to you know notice those things, but that sort of, that attention to detail is just I mean, not only completely nerdy and completely awesome, right. <laughs> but, right. but, it, but it is, I mean, it's, it's, again, it's encouraging people to, you know, actually be active and pay for their music. Cause I mean, I'm sure you saw this where, and I've used this a couple times on the podcast as far as a statistic is concerned, but I think it was whatever, was it last year or the year before where Spotify did that study? to see what age people stop listening to new music. You know, it's like 33 or something like that, where it's like, it's a, it's just a precipitous drop off at that point. And so the more, the more you keep people engaged with, you know, just being active and checking out new music, even if it's one new record, you know, your service, you, you know, symbol pays for itself because it's just like, Oh yeah, well like people are, are listening to it because of this. No, you're a hundred percent right. I mean, 
you know, maintaining the meaningful context of music is, it's, it's super important to us. I mean, you know, the, the, the thing you're talking about, which is that, you know, this sort of comes a time in folks' lives where, um, music maybe means a little less to them. I mean, you and I, you and I were talking about this, uh, before we started, which is like, um, I, I believe that so much of what that is, is it comes down to, you know, what's the context in which music is important to you? You know, what, what's the context in which, um, uh, you know, no, you know, it's essential for you to know about a new song or where you could encounter somebody, uh, who will say, man, have you heard this new record? You know, they're incredible. I think that when you're a little bit younger, especially in high school and especially in college, um, you know, where you are running into kids in class or, you know, you're at the dining hall with people or you're just at parties with folks, there's all this incidental contact. You know, you, you, you end up hanging out a whole lot with people uh, and you music is like one of these in- incredible things that's around you and it helps you figure out uh um, you know, that a friend maybe has something in common with you. That's hugely important. When, when you kind of enter into uh, the real world and, um, you know, you got to plan a little bit more to see the people you like or uh, the context you're working in um, uh, or even socializing in um, are sort of a little bit less about music, you know, it becomes a little less important uh, that, uh, you know, a given artist has new music out. Plus people get busy. There's all that stuff. But if, if you can create, uh, you know, like a social context, which ho- hopefully symbol is an example of a social context where you can see the music that the people who matter to you are listening to, or you can see that the whole world is going crazy over this new Kendrick Lamar album, you know, all of a sudden you have these really tangible, um, uh, multipliers, um, about the significance of a song, you know, you can say, Oh wow, this is, this is, uh, this is my big sister. She's got amazing taste. She just posted this song. I should listen to this song. Cause I think she's got amazing taste. Um, you know, those points of collision, um, and, uh, the, the ways in which you can illustrate why a song is important and why you should check it out. That's really meaningful work. I think, I think that that's, that's the stuff that keeps music relevant to people throughout their lives. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the last thing I want to kind of hit on was the, uh, you know, it, it sounds like y- yourself, you've been able to navigate the two worlds of, you know, the art of commerce and then the art of art, <laughs> you know, there, there's, there's two minds about it. You know, some people are able to seamlessly blend the two. Some people, um, you know, eschew any sort of, you know, financial ramifications for their decisions as long as, you know, provided it doesn't, um, actually impact the art that they're creating. Um, right. you know, how have you navigated that as you've, you know, I mean, not only at symbol, but just like throughout your own life, as you, uh, you know, understand that there are, you know, there's, there's a trade off when people are accepting money for a certain thing. Um, you know, if that actually does impact whatever it is they're creating and, um, you know, what you're doing at symbol, like, yes, it is offering a service to people. Um, but you know, there, there is a, there, there's a bargaining that goes on with that as well. So, um, you know, how does that kind of sit in your head? No, you, you make a, a great point. I think one of the, 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 the fascinating things about this particular juncture in, let's say, the history of the music industry or especially in like the history of like marketing is people can can smell bullshit like so like clearly <laughs> they can smell it through almost everything. You know, they can pick 
they, they can pick out when, you know, um, ads are sponsored or when content is, um, you know, promoted. They, they can see that from a mile away. It's the reason why, for example, you know, the most successful ad models uh, on the Internet are, um, you know, Facebook and uh, AdWords. Um, the reason why is because, you know, in both those contexts, they make it possible for um, advertisers to only place their content uh, in a context that's like actually relevant to the end user, to the person who's going to see it. That doesn't mean that most of the time you're going to click on like a Twitter ad or a Facebook ad or, or a Google ad, but, you know, you are encountering it because it's relevant to what matters to you. So I think that, um, you know, even in that context, it's an incredibly challenging thing to do to figure out, you know, how, how do you monetize um, without, uh, you know, t turning the user off or, um, uh, you know, um, sort of betraying your audience. And I think that the lesson to really take away from that, you know, is kind of the lesson we were talking about a little bit earlier, which is you, if you know you're working on the right project and you know that you're pointed in the right direction, if you are only ever focused on creating the experience that makes like the user, the listener, the reader enjoy what they're doing more. You know, if, if you're, if you're so, if you understand that, you know, users are coming to symbol because they want to share their favorite song and they want to meet other people uh, who appreciate that music. And then they want to discover the music that matters the most in the world. Then, you know, the means by which you make money, you know, will be exactly as successful as they are proximal, uh, to um, the, those desires from the user, if you can really make what you're what you're doing, um, you know, reflect why, what the user cares most about and what the reason why they showed up to your product is, then 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 you'll see uh, you know greater and greater success for that. Because I mean, frankly, there are there are services out there that people are super happy to pay for uh, because they align really directly with what the interests of, uh, of, of, of the consumer are. And, you know, example of that for me, um, is, uh, like the New York times, for example, the New York type re I bought in the, in the, over the last year, a uh, digital subscription to New York times. And there was zero part of me that felt like, um, you know, paying for full access to that content, um, you know, was corruptive somehow, uh, to the content that I was receiving or to my experience with the New York Times. And that's in large part because I knew that, you know, sort of uh, the mission of the company and my interests as the consumer really, really the same. And I, I was paying directly into the experience uh, that I wanted to get out of it. Um, but, I mean, you're right. I mean, there, there, there are a lot of examples of companies out there uh, that have, um, you know, tended to sort of monetize against their user bases or have sort of like, you know, followed the money, so to speak. Um, and it's sold out their users. I mean, I don't want to name any names, but, you know, the, the one sort of piece of optimism that I think you can take away from that is uh, that users pick up on that really quickly. You know, companies are not rewarded ever uh, for selling their users out. Um, and when they do, you know, we live in a, in a, in a period of time where the ease of communication and the ease of organiz organization, uh, is such that, um, 
you know, it's, it's people will figure out really quickly that, that, uh, companies are, are up to the wrong stuff. Yeah, no, absolutely. People, people see right through it. It's like, see right through it. Yeah. Especially, you know, people that, you know, spend a majority of the time on the internet. So, you know, people like 45 and under, uh, you're able to kind of suss out pretty quickly where it's like, Oh yeah. Like that, that feels, that feels crappy. Like, you know, that just, yeah. that, that, that trade-off doesn't feel right. And those are the things that, you know, people, you know, they may sign up to try something, but then they'll immediately be like, Oh yeah, I think sucks. I'm not going to use that anymore. So, right, right. Yeah. There's definitely a, a whole lot of that. So yeah, it's, I, I'm just glad that you guys don't fall in that. Which is great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's an important thing for us. I mean, and you know, the truth of the matter is, is that the, 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 the world of music and the world of social media is so competitive and it's so, um, sort of, uh, challenging to succeed in that you need you need to take every advantage you can get and amazingly one of the advantages that you can have as a company in this space is like not being a jerk you know like being obviously committed to um your users and to listening to them and to not screwing them over um and i mean you know symbol all things considered is a small social network you know it's it's it we, we don't even have a monetization model yet we're totally pre-revenue um but we're really committed to um not messing up the thing about uh about what we do that um comes before everything else which is you know we are a network of people and these people are here because they love music and they want to share music and we, we have to make that more rewarding to them over time more than anything else yeah absolutely it makes total sense that's cool um, well, dude, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate uh, this. This definitely got into more heady places than I imagined, but uh, I'm glad. I'm glad it did. I had a feeling you uh, <laughs> we were able to keep up with each other, so that's good. I'm- good, yeah. No, I, I really enjoyed talking to you, man. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, there we go. There was Charlie, and how interesting was that, right? I just, I really, I liked his perspective on you know what we can do to uh, share music online, but then also trying to not get trapped in the uh you know the weird culture that is web 2.0 and you know startups and all that other stuff but um yeah it was very interesting so thank you very much charlie for coming on and supporting the show in general and um yeah i love it i love it and the guest next week because that's why you tune into this outro right at least i hope so and if you're if you haven't been oh my gosh you're missing out on a treasure trove of information (laughs) and that treasure trove next week is dave lombardo so um He's the drummer of Slayer. That's all I need to say. I was uh, really stoked to hear from his publicist who was like, hey, I think this person would be great for your show. And I'm like, a- absolutely. And um, yeah, we talk we talk for a long time, but we also talk about some really, really interesting things that uh, I just frankly didn't think I would ever, <laughs> would ever get there with Dave Lombardo. So uh, it was a great chat, and I can't wait to share it with you next week. So until then, please be safe, everybody. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. Shh.